0: Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanek with Figured Out Baseball. We've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined by Brian McCabe, who is the head coach at Benedictine Mesa. Benedictine Mesa is an NAI school in Mesa, Arizona. Um, A guy that's had a lot of success and someone that we've tried to have on the program a couple times, but it uh, finally worked out today. So before we get into questions with Coach McCabe, I'll go through a bio for you so you know where he's come from and and what he's done. He's originally from Lena, Illinois. He played at Clark University collegiately, an NAIA school in Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, While he was there, the team set the school record for wins. He also graduated in 2013 from there and began his coaching career there. He was there as an assistant coach in the springs of 2014 and 15. Again, that's at Clark University. The spring of 2016, he was an assistant coach at Phoenix College, a junior college in Phoenix, Arizona. And from there, he jumped over to Benedictine Mesa. In 2017 and 18. he spent two seasons as an assistant coach and the pitching coach. In two seasons there, the team went 76-35. and 35, uh, Obviously, a great record over a two-year span. Before, finally, in October 2018, he was named the head coach at Benedictine Mesa, where he's been since as the head coach. 2019, his first spring with Mesa, the team went 44. And 13. That was a new school record for wins. The team in 2019 was ranked in the NAIA for the first time in school history. They got as high as number 16. That year, they had the Conference Player of the Year on that team as well as four All Americans. Coach McCabe was named Conference Coach of the Year in his first year as the head coach. Uh, the team has also, since he got there, has had five players that have gone on to play pro ball. The 2020 team started 22-7 and seven before things were shut down because of COVID. We're actually joining Coach McCabe partway into the 2021 season, where so far they are 8-4. and four. Uh, The guy seems to do nothing but win everywhere that he goes, and, and that's part of the reason for having him on the program. Coach McCabe, I just want to thank you for taking the time with us today
1: appreciate you having me on, Jeff. I think I need to hire you to uh, introduce me all the time because that, that was a pretty good one there. It feels <laughs> good. But, no, I appreciate you uh, letting me on, and I'm
0: excited to talk today. Yeah, man, next time you go for a job, you give me a call, and I'll make some calls for you. Yeah, that um, sounds great. A lot of coaches have that now, right? A lot of coaches have, uh, like, an agent that they hire, or maybe that's just at higher levels. But that wasn't a thing when I was in college, or at least at, at like, any levels that I had coached. But now I, I hear about that quite a bit. Do you, do you know guys that have... Agents that that basically do kind of the work for them when there are jobs available.
1: You know, I I, I haven't seen it yet at, at this level, but I think I think that's something I need is just somebody to be uh,
0: the pump up guy, the fire up guy, and you know let everybody know who I am. <laughs> I've heard about it from other guys, and it's it's surprising me that that's happening at 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 like you know mid major division one type levels, but it seems to be. But uh, but anyway, Coach McCabe, I'd like to start with something usually from the bio that stands out. And uh, and then we'll jump into other stuff that I've kind of got planned. And But for you, I, I'd like to just kind of ask how a guy from uh, Lena, Illinois, who played his collegiate ball in Iowa, ended up in Arizona. And obviously you, you've stuck out there. You've made somebody... Uh, pretty happy out there and have gotten some jobs and have done a good thing, and, and now you're hired as a head coach, so hopefully you're you're there for a little bit, but just kind of wondering how uh, you ended up out there, if that was maybe sort of a plan to get into the Southwest or if uh, if just, you know, things kind of aligned for you at some point.
1: Sure. Well, it's actually as simple as uh, chasing a girl out there. Uh, you know, she she turned out to be my wife, so it definitely worked out, but, you know, I was, I was in the Midwest my whole life, you know, within the same little uh, area, and I figured, if I want to be a baseball coach, uh, Arizona is not a bad place to be. So she was finishing up school down in Arizona when I uh, chose to move down. And I, I'd be lying if I didn't say, it, you know, it happened a lot quicker than I expected it to. Uh, you know, definitely certain in, uh, instances of being at the, you know, right right place, right time, that kind of mentality. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, being being a college baseball coach in Arizona, growing up in a small little town in Illinois, uh, it's pretty special. A lot, of, a lot of unique opportunities out here.
0: Now, out there is, uh with recruiting, does the junior college baseball out there play with wood bats? Is that still – they still play with wood they bats do. there?
1: They do, absolutely.
0: How does that affect recruiting? I'm just curious because summer ball – you know, a lot of high school – most high school players, I think, in summer ball – Maybe this has changed as well. I don't know since I've uh, stopped recruiting. But most of summer ball happens with wood bats. The junior college ball happens with wood bats. But you guys play with metal bats. You know, most other most four year schools and most junior colleges. I think Arizona is one of the few that plays with wood bats during the season. But most other levels are playing, uh, especially during their during their actual season with metal bats. How how different is it to recruit a guy with wood? Does it make a whole lot of a difference? Uh, Is there anything that maybe? Stands out as an advantage or disadvantage to that, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, for me, I think it's all advantage. In my opinion, I mean, obviously, when when you're swinging a wood bat for two years and you go back to metal, uh, I think you see a lot of you know differences in the game a little bit. But for me. I mean, if, if, a guy, we, we do a lot of junior college recruiting, a lot, you know, like a typical NAI, we've got our division one, division two transfers and obviously our Juco, uh, recruits. And for us, I mean, if you're excelling in the Arizona Juco league, the ACAC with a wood bat facing the competition you're doing, uh, going against, I mean, it's, it's only a positive for us. So I, truthfully, I don't get wrapped up in it too much. Uh, but obviously in my opinion, you know, if you're, if you're hitting six, seven bombs and hitting 340 in a year, uh, I I think that will translate well to our league, whether the power stays there, whether the power increases. That's obviously, you know, I think that's up to the individual, but for us, you know, it's, it, it really is. If you're having success there, I think you will have success here. You've obviously got to come prove it and keep improving. Uh, but we've seen, you know, we've had, we have a lot of good relationships here in the area, so many good junior colleges, uh, which is why it makes us tough to recruit high school kids, uh, in all reality. It's, you know, they've got a lot of good programs to choose from right in their backyard. Uh, so we really build on those connections and, you know, it's, it definitely, the success is there and we definitely try to recruit that and keep those guys home as much as we can.
0: For you in recruiting Coach McCabe, since it, it is a little bit difficult to get, uh, high school players, because they're you're in an area rich with junior college baseball. Not just in Arizona, but in surrounding states as well. There are a lot of really good junior college programs north, south, east, and west of you. Um, and I'm just I'm curious if you had your choice, like in a in a typical recruiting class, if you maybe could put percentages on it. What percentage would you like to be junior college players? What percentage would you like to be high school players? Do you want more junior college players? Uh, as hitters or pitchers, or does it, does it matter to you? Do you have a, a – are, are there specific plans there, or is it more just kind of a you know year-by-year, need-by-need type of thing?
1: I think it's definitely year-by-year, year, but, I mean, I, I would say in a normal year, we would probably go about 50% both ways uh, with, with being an NAI, and we're only in the fifth year of our program's history. There's obviously – we've got a few four-year and now five-year guys because of COVID, but it, that typically doesn't happen. Uh, with us and that's what we're trying to get towards. So I would say 50-50, uh, the first year I recruited and even the first year of our program with Coach Danette, uh, we were very heavy JUCO, obviously. We think that was the route to uh, have success right away and kind of put our name on the map. Uh, but we've definitely, you know, this is the first year we've had some freshmen that are uh, making contributions to that varsity squad. Uh, And a unique aspect of our program is we have a full junior varsity program. So those guys actually get 20 to 25 games against the Arizona junior colleges during a normal year. Uh, So that's, that's a big thing with us. If you're not quite ready for that varsity team, you pretty much get to come here, start on your four-year degree and play JUCO baseball. So it's, it's really a win-win in our situation. And uh, to your question about, you know, hitters and pitchers, you know, like like I talked about earlier, if, if we have a guy swinging the bat well in, in the JUCO system, I think that really does play, you know, they've, they've got a lot of good arms and, you know, obviously a lot of arms that we recruit, so if they're doing well there, like I said, we do think that success will translate, and then we we've had a really good uh, system of building our pitchers up so we obviously like those junior college guys who have the experience and have the innings but we've done a really good job developmental wise you know with our with our staff of just developing those younger arms and getting them through the program so that's definitely something we're we're kind of turning our uh, head towards a little bit more you know obviously we're we're still going to recruit junior college talent but we're definitely looking for those guys who are going to come in for uh, four years and, you know, make that turnaround a little less uh, quick, you know, not just one year, two years out, and out, you know, starting to really build that program from the ground up.
0: I'm curious as to what the competition looks like right now for you. I know you're only a couple weekends in or a couple weeks into the season, but I- I've been kind of curious how just rosters in general are going to look because of COVID, you know, for people that, that are or are not familiar, it just, it really created a log jam in a lot of rosters because... You know, I think every level, if I'm not mistaken, gave a fifth year, uh, or gave another year of uh, another year of eligibility to everyone. And I know not everyone came back, but uh, you know, a lot of seniors are back for their fifth year. There, I have seen already some fifth year, or some some guys that are in their sixth year with the program because they maybe had a redshirt year uh, earlier in their career, and then they got another year because of COVID. So there are sixth year guys that are playing right now. From from what you've seen so far, small sample size, uh, but from what you've seen. How has COVID affected rosters at the NAIA level?
1: I mean, it's been tough. Uh, like we talked about earlier, I think we've we've definitely put together our toughest non-conference schedule we ever have. Uh I think 12 games, nine of those, eight of those have been against ranked teams and, you know, from my perspective, it's just all the, you know, not all like you mentioned, most of most of those seniors that had an opportunity, a lot of them took it. You know, you never know when you're uh, going to get to continue to play baseball. So a lot of guys took that opportunity, and, and the way I've seen it, just all those guys are back. Plus, you know, there's obviously been some movement at the Division One, Division Two, JUCO levels. Uh, so there's, you know, I've seen a lot more transfers uh, getting on these rosters, whether it be like I said, the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three level, just good players all around. Uh, and a lot of players, you know, that haven't. It's been impossible to do scouting reports these first couple of weeks because, you know, we really have no idea what these teams have. Uh, a lot of them just got done recruiting, you know, two months ago before uh, spring started. So it's definitely uh, the way I've seen it. A ton of talent out there, and you know, we're lucky to, you know, play that tough schedule and really see where we are nationally and you know, rankings wise. And it's it's definitely been tough. There's there's a lot of teams out there. A lot of teams that have made improvements that you know we haven't seen yet. Uh, so it's definitely exciting. It's a, it's a good time, I think, in all of college baseball for just putting talent together and seeing good baseball.
0: Could you talk a little bit for people that aren't that familiar with NAIA baseball about uh, transfer rules? Because I I know, you know, I never coached at the NAIA level, but I always it, it seemed like a a level that I would have enjoyed a lot. I liked the junior college level. I liked coaching at that level for various reasons, and it seemed to me like. Like the rules are a little bit looser at NAI in a good way, where you can you can kind of do some things that you want to do without rules necessarily stopping you, and you can recruit how you want to recruit, and, and kind of, um, you know, there aren't there aren't eligibility issues with guys transferring from different levels for the most part. Maybe something I'm not aware of, but could you just kind of tell people that are listening to this that aren't real familiar, Brian, what what transfer rules look like, and and how you end up with like Division One, Division Two, and Junior College transfers on your roster, whereas that might not be something that's that's possible to do most of the time uh, at the NCAA level
1: sure I mean the the biggest thing for me. Uh, first and foremost, as far as the eligibility requirements, it, it's pretty much in line with NCAA. But like you mentioned, the transfer requirements. So, you know, if you're going to go from a Division 1 to a Division 2 or, or, excuse me, Division 2 to a Division 1, you know, a lot of times there's that that year where you have to sit out. And I know a lot of those rules are changing, you know, as we speak. Uh, but for us, you know, truthfully, if, if a student doesn't like where they're at or if, you know, the situation has changed for them, uh, there is no penalty. They can go from Division One to us, and Division Two to us, and we obviously recruit the junior college uh, uh, athletes just like those schools do. So it, it really is, you know, it makes it nice. And like I said, sometimes it's difficult because that turnaround is so quick. Uh, but I think that's why, you know, especially at the top twenty-five level of NAI, it's it's really good baseball. It's it's students who were, you know, circumstances change wherever they were, wherever they were planning on going, and. Uh, we do a lot of things and you know we accept a lot of things that maybe those bigger NCAA schools wouldn't as far as just uh, situations and uh, you know maybe some family life things financial situations a lot of those uh, we're just very flexible with that so it's you know obviously they have to come in and do their work academically that's I think something a lot of a lot of people assume is you know it's kind of the wild west which it definitely was in the past I played you know 11 12 years ago and I don't remember any sort of you know you have to follow this follow this but it's it's definitely uh, a lot more strict now but like you mentioned uh transfer wise i think that's why you see a lot of uh you know division one players transfer back and you know they can come really just dominate and put themselves in a good position for professional baseball so that's you know i think that that's something when we're recruiting we tell guys a lot is you know if if you're going to go to that division one division two wherever that is you know you may be the 20th guy or whatever the case is and we really sell ourselves on, you know, getting good exposure, playing a lot and, you know, we'll play 55 games in a normal year. COVID has changed that a little bit. Uh, but you're going to come out and, you know, play every day, be in Arizona. You know, there's obviously a ton of scouting networks out here and most, I would assume 30 teams all have an area guy within 10 minutes from our facility. So it makes us very, uh, exposable and, and those things. So I, it's, it is a lot different. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're really trying to change that and not get, you know, not get the guy with, you know, a ton of baggage. And sometimes those situations are out there and you just got to go with your gut. But it, it is a little different. But in other ways, I would say we're, we're pretty similar as far as, uh, you know, what you got to do academically, what you have to do in the community and those kind of things.
0: And the academics and the community stuff, those are, like, even if NAI didn't require it, I think most programs just agree that that's something that needs to be done if if your team is going to be successful it's just it's you know it's a requirement within the within the team even if it's not at the level but i just think it's i think it's cool at the nai level that you can get those transfers from different places and i think that you're absolutely right that there are guys out there that that need a tr- need a change of scenery sometimes and, and of course a lot of times guys don't want to sit out a year and um and it just makes sense to go to the NAI level if you can get to a good program. If you need a change of scenery for one reason or another, you know. I know it, at the pro level. You know, scouts look for different things that necessarily can get you on the field. Sometimes I, I've had, and at, at the junior college level, I've had I've had guys transfer to us from four-year schools, you know, Power Five type schools that didn't play there for a year, two years. I, I we've even had a. A redshirt sophomore, so he was in a program for two and a half years at a Power Five level that really just never got time, um, never never got to see the field a whole lot, and then comes to junior college for one season and, and, and signs a pro contract. So, uh, you know, pro guys are looking for something different than sometimes than what can get you on the field, and a lot of times at higher levels, there are guys that are established. There are guys that that not only have. You know stuff that scouts like, but just have a lot more pitchability, or uh, maybe more, more whatever it is that more uh, you know more of a a pitch repertoire, or whatever uh, that gets guys on the field, whereas other guys just don't get a lot of time. And um, you know, to me, anytime I talk with a family, which I still do as as a scout, sometimes just trying to help kids that are uncommitted find an opportunity. You know, I I think guys are going to be happy if they have two things basically i think if they go somewhere and they win and they go somewhere and they play they're going to be happy and usually if one of those two things is not there something's going to be missing if a guy goes to a program and plays and they're not very successful there's probably going to be some frustration if a guy goes somewhere on a really good team and wins but doesn't get an opportunity to take part in it there's going to be some frustration is that kind of um you know when you're talking with guys is that at all part of the recruiting talk with you is you know you come here you might have a chance to play whereas the other options you're looking at maybe not so much and we're going to we're going to win we're going to be really good you're going to have a chance to get seen by scouts you know are, are those two things you know play uh, have a chance to play have a chance to win are, are those part of your recruiting talk with guys
1: no doubt, no doubt. I mean, depending on the level of talent, first thing we do, and you know, it's it's crazy just to hear the conversations with players and coaches. But a lot of guys, you know, these days, they they ask for you know legitimate uh, playing time locked in in the recruiting process, and that's that first off, that's something we don't do. Uh, but obviously, you know, you you know, at the end of the day, if you think a guy is going to be successful, and you know that that is something we promote. You're you're going to come here, and in the past, you know, winning forty games. Uh, to you know in 2019 and or excuse me 2018 and 2019 and I think we were well on our way in uh, 2020 as well uh, but yeah I think the biggest thing for us with those top end recruits is the exposure uh, I played a, a you know good NAI baseball in the Midwest and you know it's just something where uh, maybe our team didn't have it at the time or whatever it was but we just didn't see a lot of uh, professional looks and obviously a lot of guys playing college baseball uh they're there to get a degree, but they're also there to hopefully play baseball after college. And you know, that that's something I, I think the biggest uh recruiting pitch for us is truthfully we're just here to get you to that next level. So whether you know, for some guys that's professional baseball, for some guys that's graduate school, for some guys that's just graduating and getting a job right away. Uh that, that's really what we're all about. And uh at the end of the day only excuse me only 96 97 percent of our guys are not going to play uh professional baseball so it's all about being ready for what we're doing after that and putting ourselves in the best position to play as long as we can so uh but yeah that's that's a lot of it and uh for me too uh if you see our roster it's it's very diverse we're not just arizona kids so you know it's, it's easy to recruit from back where i'm from in the midwest on a you know, I guess it's March now, but when it's uh, 75 degrees and most of the country is, you know, still freezing and under snow, so that makes it a little, little easier process as well. And just, just a great area to come play baseball.
0: I'd love to be able to send some kids out your way. It's a little bit further from Pennsylvania to come out than it is for, you know, an Iowa, um, Illinois type of kid. I know that. When I was coaching in the Midwest, it seemed like several Arizona schools, like even Arizona Arizona State, were grabbing kids from the you know from Illinois Iowa areas at some points. Um, Coach McCabe, I'd like to ask you about something that you brought up a little bit ago. Just. Scouting report wise, like it's it's been impossible to get scouting reports because nobody's seen anybody. You know, you don't you don't really know who's on these rosters. You have a lot more transfers than normal. Hardly any, you know, there wasn't a lot to establish last year. You don't know who's back and who's not. Maybe, what's life like without scouting reports at the college level? You know, at at the Division One level, scouting reports are getting insane it's hard to imagine even being in this situation now where they have synergy and they can watch literally every game on video uh that's just it's a lot that's a lot of a lot of time and effort to put into that Um, you know i've coached a high school level where you you have basically nothing and, and you watch a guy in bp or try to pick something up from a first at bat from a hitter or first inning from a pitcher and that's kind of your scouting report and uh what what is life like at the nai level without much without a lot of scouting reports like what when they are good you know, maybe at the end of the season, you're getting able to get some reports from guys from earlier in the season. What what is uh, what are the scouting reports like that you'll get? Just kind of curious to to tell people just how much information you can get from guys at the NAI level. And at this point, maybe you can start at the beginning of the season here when you have no scouting reports. What's the plan going into games?
1: No, great question. Great question. I think first off, obviously you have conversations with coaches and, you know, uh, there's certain rules with some conferences where, you know, you can't talk to, to these guys or you can't talk to this conference or in conference, those kind of things. But I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of coaches do a lot more than me in that regard as far as scouting reports. Uh, but typically what we do is, you know, we'll, we'll go online, we'll do our research as far as, is there any video on guys and, uh, for me, obviously, after they play a few games, most schools kind of have that set lineup. And uh, for us, you know, it's definitely not 100% accurate, but we'll just, you know, I'll sit there in front of a computer for five hours and uh, look at those play-by-plays. So if, you know, the leadoff hitter keeps hitting, uh, you know, F9 every every first at-bat or something like that, we're definitely going to adjust. Um, and for me, you know, there there is only so much information you can get. It's not like the major league where we've got every single thing lined up. You've got those charts of, you know, 30 percent left side, 40 percent middle and those kind of things with that. I mean, I would love to use that if we had that access. Uh, but for us, it's really just playing our game. I mean, we we really go to our strengths. And obviously, if we're seeing a guy for the second or third time or maybe it's, you know, uh, the fourth or fifth year that we're playing, this guy we will have a good plan of what we want to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we're not we're not a team that's moving around our, you know, we move obviously a couple steps here, a couple steps there, but we're not putting a full on shift on this guy just because of maybe one thing we've heard. Uh, We're going to make sure, you know, he can, he can do it with a, you know, whether it's a normal defense or a normal pitching approach uh, those kind of things. So it it really differs uh, from team to team, just based on what information we have. But already this year, we've gone into three or four games knowing absolutely nothing about who we're playing. They don't have any stats yet uh there's 20 new guys on the roster and so it, it can definitely make things uncomfortable but at the end of the day at our level i know you know major leagues division 1 that can play a huge role in whether you're winning or losing a game uh but at our level you know truthfully i don't think it it, it makes the uh, entire difference right there uh so we really just focus on hey let's play our game let's you know if obviously if we're getting beaten the 5-6 souls six, six times in a row we're going to we're going to adjust there but it really
0: is let's play to our strengths and let's see if they can match up I wonder oftentimes if scouting reports don't get too much in the way of playing two strengths, you know, especially for for a pitcher, uh, a pitcher going against a lineup like. I know there are certain times when you maybe would want to stay away from something, even if it is a strength. If if a guy just you know you can't get, can't get this guy out with a fastball so we're just not even though this guy's got a, your pitcher's got a good fastball this this hitter does not get beat by fastballs you're probably going to stay away from that i get that but in, in most instances i just wonder if that wouldn't be the best plan almost regardless of what you see in a scouting report if a if a you know if a pitcher has a hard time um, locating a pitch to a certain side of the plate and the guy's got a weakness on this certain this side of the plate where the pitcher has a hard time getting the ball there are you really going to try to get it in there in in a risk making a mistake, I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like it's better to just uh, go go after the pitcher's strength, almost regardless of what the scouting report is. But um, I guess it depends how much information you have on a guy and, and what what kind of trust you have in your pitcher. No doubt, no
1: doubt. And there's there's plenty of guys that are going to do damage. I mean, there's there's a guy down at uh, I believe Wayland Baptist who's I mean he's hit about 35, 40 home runs uh, between the shortened season last year and this year already. Uh, so you're, you're going to have to make adjustments to a guy like that. But like you said, at the end of the day, you know, I think guys are at our level, even though they are successful, I think they, you know, they do have weaknesses and, you you know, you see in the big leagues, you you know, obviously velocity is gonna, is gonna hurt you, but guys are throwing 99, 100 down the middle uh to to great hitters and you know that velocity is still going to beat some guys so uh we like like you said like i said you know really focus on what we can do uh in, until a guy just you know absolutely goes off against us and we need to make an adjustment quick uh we'll kind of stick to our game plan and you know sometimes you are going to get beat and you know a lot of guys they want to put their head down right away or say hey that plan didn't work but sometimes you just get beat you just got to tip your cap move on to the next ab and the next approach
0: Coach McCabe, I'd really like to spend some time in this podcast talking about winning. It's something that I love to talk about. I, as a coach, I, uh, you know, I hated losing. I, I loved winning. I think I hated losing more than I liked to win. It was to me, and, and I was around some really good head coaches that taught me a lot. And to me, it was, you know, you expected to win, and so when you won, it wasn't like you know what wasn't. A jumping up and down experience it was like a, that's, yeah that's what we came here type of experience that's why we came here in the first place um but i, I love talking about it i think it's something that at at youth levels it's not talked about enough the I, I to me winning is a skill winning is something that you that you teach um i think there's too much of an emphasis sometimes at at lower levels of teaching you know individuals to be the best that they can be but that doesn't always mean it's the you're, you're doing the best thing for the team or or have a team first focus which I still think is important I think is a skill. Um, I'd like to talk to you about your career, you know, your career as a as a player and most of your stops as a coach. You've had a tremendous amount of success. Uh, you're with a team right now that's only been you have been there for the entire existence of Benedictine Mesa, have you not?
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So you've you've been you've been with this program from the beginning. Um two seasons as an assistant coach you guys won uh, an incredible amount of games two out of every three games pretty much that, that you guys won and and now you know since you've been there 2019 2020 2021 tremendous amount of success I, i'm curious for you what are some of the key ingredients to having sustained success at the call as a college baseball coach college baseball program
1: no, that's a great question. It's got me thinking a lot there. Uh I, I think the biggest thing with us, uh, like you said, you kind of at, at some point you expect to win. Uh but for me it's you know, when we get done with a win or we get done with a good day of practice, for us, there's always something to learn. And I, I think that sometimes where the sustained success, uh, is lacking, you know, you may have one good year, two good years. Um, and then, you know, you kind of just assume that success is coming and you don't really talk about what ways you can get better. So for us, you know, I think the guys almost get frustrated when we win games as opposed to when we lose because when we lose, I pretty much, you know, we walk, you know, we do talk as a group pretty much after every game, but when we lose it may last five seconds uh to say hey we got to got another one tomorrow one of those quick things and you're out of there but when we win sometimes we stand there for five ten minutes and say hey if we want to become the program we want to if we really want to make a uh, a stand nationally these are the kind of things we have to do these are the kind of things we have to cut out so I, i think that's big for them uh letting them know hey we can enjoy that win but it's you know there's a lot of things to be learned there uh and and for me You know, one of the other things I really just focus on is, you know, there is a standard every single day, whether whether we're just hitting for an hour in the cages, whether we are lifting, you know, everybody is there. Everybody is, you know, awake, you know, eye contact, uh, all those things. It's really big for me. Uh, I've seen, you know, I've been with programs, I've been on teams uh, that just kind of sleepwalk their way through the day. Uh, and, and that's that's really not a way uh, to sustain success. You know, when when you're going in college baseball and you're in April and May and we are, you know, on the fifth game of the week, uh, you really have to rely on that grit and that toughness. And if you try to sleepwalk, walk your way through that, it's, it's going to uh, end quickly for you. So um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a lot of fun to win. Uh, that's, that's what we're here for, to, to grow lives, obviously to win baseball games. It's a lot more fun, uh, to win games than to lose games. But, uh, you know, like I said, for us, it's just that everyday standard of, hey, this is, this is what is expected. And I, you know, I'm a 29 year old head coach. Uh, so a big, aspect of our program and our culture is i'm not coming in trying to be your dad uh that it doesn't does no good to have that wavelength of me being 29 and you know most of our leaders being 22 23 uh a couple are 24 now because of covid so um we it's really hey this is what's expected and we're either going to do it or we're not and at the end of the day something i've had to learn you know in some of those tough losses where you know you try to get really fired up and you try to let your emotions show is at the end of the day uh, as coaches, we, we can't control what's happening on the field. We, we gotta put our guys in the, in the, uh, the oppor- give them the opportunity to, to succeed based on what we give them in practice, the drills we give, you know, what are we doing in the weight room to keep them healthy and strong? Uh, and on game day, we just, you know, turn it loose and say, hey, this is, this is your guy's job now and this is what we expect. So, uh, I, I think it's kind of fed off itself and, you know, there's definitely been challenges. Uh, you know, just taking over from a newer head coach, you know, Chain, even though I worked with Coach Tanen, just doing things a little differently. So we've, we've definitely had our, our times where guys are, you know, sometimes questioning or why are we doing this? And that's something I love is, you know, asking questions and being on the same page with our leadership group, uh, a lot of those things. And I think once you get that going, uh, that, like you said, that success really sustains itself. It's, it's not really me talking about it anymore like I did a lot, you know, two years ago last year. Uh, it's more, you know, those seniors really saying, hey, this is what it's expected. Uh, we're we're going to do it. And, and when you have that buy-in from the leadership group, it, it becomes a lot easier on us as coaches.
0: I know that you probably, you, you had things rolling pretty well by the time you got there. But if you, when you have individuals or even like small pockets of individuals, like maybe you have a group of guys on the team that maybe kind of hang out together And and maybe they're just not pulling in the same direction that you are. Uh, You know, I read somewhere recently, and I'm going to paraphrase and probably do a really poor job of it. But but anytime a team is is trying to move in one direction, as players, you're either you know you're every player on that roster is either pulling in the same direction as you, they're pulling against you, or they're neutral and you're having to drag them along. and I thought that was a really good visual, and I think you know, you could, I think any coach can kind of look back at any team that he's had, and almost every individual on the team, they, you can look back and say, yep, that guy was either going this direction, that direction, or was neutral. For you as a head coach, Brian, in a short time that you've been there, and again, you've had the program rolling, it's not like you took over a losing program where you had to completely change the culture, but when you're trying to create something, establish something, and you're a young guy, and, and maybe you have a guy on the roster that just doesn't buy in for whatever reason. It's just different. What you're teaching, what you're coaching, is different from what he's used to. Maybe you and, and that player just there's a little bit of friction there for whatever reason. How do you handle that? You know, how quickly, uh, how quick are you to uh, to tell a guy that he probably needs to find a different place to play? You know, not 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 in a uh, in a coarse way, but just telling a player like, look, this just isn't this isn't a good fit for. I don't I don't think for either of us. I think it's better if you find somewhere else. Or you know, how quick are you to Decide that, or almost take a player on as a project, and say, "All right, like I'm going to get this guy on. I'm gonna do everything I can to get this guy on board. If it doesn't happen at the end of the year, we might have a conversation. But like I'm gonna make this a, a priority to get this player on board. I'm just kind of curious how you handle it when players, you know, don't completely buy in. Because I, I've had this conversation with coaches before. I think it's a narrative that you read a lot on social media. But but all of the, a lot of times, like conversations, like like you and I, like that question I just asked you. It seems easy, right? It seems easy when you just sort of talk about the surface level stuff, like yeah, we just ex- we this is what we expect, and, and over time it it just happens. But obviously, there's a lot of there's got to be some times of conflict in between, and that's kind of what I would like to ask you just about those times of conflict, or maybe you know players that just don't buy in for whatever reason, players that are pulling in the opposite direction. You know, from what from what you and the other coaches and the leaders on your team are trying to establish, how do you handle that? Uh, in in what ways? And how quickly are you to make? Uh, or how quick are you to make bigger decisions? Like telling a guy, like I think it's time for us to part ways.
1: Sure, that's that's a that's a great question. It's something I've obviously you know been learning and evolving over these past five six years of coaching and you know thirty year as a head coach now. Uh, for me, I, I think uh, I'm a very patient guy. Uh, two years ago I I probably would have said I'm going to let this play out throughout the year and you know see what happens but I've I've realized over the past couple years that that's not the approach to take because like you said even if you have one guy pulling against everybody else uh, depending on that guy's stature on the team and you know is he in the lineup those kind of things uh, that can really damage uh, you know what you're doing so I would say this year you know we've got you know, obviously it's, it's not perfect and I don't think it will ever be perfect when you're dealing with 40, 50 individuals, uh, college guys. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think this year we may be a little less talented than we've been in the past, but I know when those guys get together that they're going to do everything they can to, whether it's come out on top or back each other up uh that that's something i think we've really had to change in is just buying into each other uh we've you know first couple of years of the program we obviously had all these transfers and it was kind of just uh obviously you know you got the netflix show last chance you that's that's really what it was for these guys it was just it was a last chance a lot of these guys were from arizona just living at home and it was just it, you know, it's kind of a glorified, uh, you know, club ball team where it's just guys driving in every day. There's class, there's practice, and then you go home. Nobody lives with each other. Uh, so that that's really something we've focused on is, you know, buying into each other. Uh, but I think, you know, going back to your question, you know, this year we've had a couple instances where we, we identify that issue or that problem. Or, or maybe it's not even a problem. Maybe it's just a situation. The kid's going on. They got going on at home and we don't know that yet. Uh, so for us we we really try to hammer that early, uh, say, hey, what's going on what what do we need to do to uh, you know get you back on and get you you know ready to go with the team. But uh, if that's not going to be possible, whether you know just due to the kid or due to the program circumstances, uh, we really do try to, to try to get that out of our program quickly. I think you know, uh, even if you know if your best player on the team is the guy that's going against everything you're saying, thankfully, I haven't had that yet, but uh, he may be good, but it, it's probably not worth it to keep him, you know, as a leader and keep it, you know, whether you like it or not, the guys are going to listen to him if he's the best player on the team. So uh, that that's something where we really, you know, our staff has done a great job of recruiting. Uh, we bring in guys that, you know, we have really good relationships with and, a lot of guys now that you know we, we recruit out of high school they go to you know say Mesa Community College or Scottsdale Community College and then we get them two years later so we've already known the kid for three years uh, and, and a lot of the, just building those relationships but it is very important that something I you know at my first year I would say hey let's get the nine best guys let's put them in the lineup let's get them on the field and now it's it's a lot more of Hey, what is, what does this guy you know mean to the rest of the group? What what's his respect level, and you know a lot of those things uh, go into what we what we like to put. Whether it's you know a travel roster, whether it's you know our lineup, or whether it's just who we recruit. So it, it's definitely taken on much much more of uh, my focus uh, is getting those right guys, and you know make sure we do have those guys that are going going along with you because, like you said, it can be tough.
0: Coach, I want to go back to another thing that you said a little while ago. Just kind of sticking on the the, the broad general topic of winning, and uh, and about the sort of conversations you have with guys after wins and losses. Now, after wins, it seems like your focus is to to not let guys get too high on that win, you know, and kind of just remind them that if we're going to keep going, if we're going to keep having success, these are the things that we need. There, you know, we we need to get better in this area. In this area, we need to stop. You know, we need to stop doing this so much or, or whatever. After a loss, it's it's a pretty quick conversation. Do you come back the following day, or or even a couple of days later, and talk about the loss at some point, and just sort of go over, uh, you know, positive and or negative uh, notes you had from the game, and just kind of like after a lo- after a win, you come back and say, okay, we 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 won, awesome, but here are some ways we can we can get better. Do you have that talk after losses, or after losses, do you just try to put it behind you? as quickly as possible, move on to the next day, and not even really focus on maybe what what led to the loss?
1: I think it's mixed a little bit. Uh, we, we definitely will talk. So say if we play three games over the weekend, we'll definitely come, you know, first couple minutes of practice. Uh, you know, before COVID, we were having classroom sessions where we'd hammer a lot of that out. Uh, but I would say we, we will mention a couple things. We're not going to stand there and talk for 20 minutes about the previous loss or anything like that. Uh, But we we will – I think the guys see it with how we approach practice that next day, Uh, whether it's, you know, we're we're really put – you know, we got smoked on curveballs all weekend, so we're going to put the curveball machine on today, or, you know, we just need to get our feet work, you know, footwork going with uh, the infield, a lot of those things. So I think, you know, I I would say we don't necessarily talk about it a lot, but our guys are smart enough. They know what we're working on that day and say, hey, we haven't worked on this for – a week or two, you know, oh, it's because this weekend it, it wasn't the greatest in that area. So I think that's that's where the mature aspect comes in. And like I said, I'm not coming in trying to be anyone's dad. And it's it's a very uh, mature program. It's, it's a bunch of, you know, typically older guys that are, you know, they've been through the ringer before. So it's all about, you know, what are we going to do the next day? But, you know, for me also not talking about it a lot in a baseball season, you know, if you let, uh, you know, some negative streaks, uh, start getting in your head, I think that can only get worse as time goes on. So we really just focus on the next day, uh, winning the next day. And, you know, that's something I, you know, between winning, I truthfully haven't talked a lot about winning in the past two years compared to my first year, uh, because I think it's much more about that process, much more about how you treat the day. Uh, I think if you treat, you know, today, Monday practice, well, uh, I think that Tuesday game is going to go a lot better than just focusing on that result on Tuesday.
0: So practice day to day. What what is the what is practice like uh, for you guys? If someone were to come and observe practice for maybe a week or two weeks, and, and it was just a, a, you know a, a typical practice that you were having at Benedictine Mesa, what what would I expect to see? You know, what are some staples for you guys? Not not so much like practice plans, but like you know, what What should I expect to see, you know, a, a ton of hitting? Should I expect to see like super high energy, really intense stuff? Should I expect to see a lot of game type situations? Like what are some staples of your practices that you feel like allow you as a team to win the day and be prepared for your next competition whenever that will be?
1: I think the first thing is, uh, for us, one size doesn't fit all. So, you know, if if you go start with the pitchers, uh, you're going to see guys obviously getting their bands in, getting their plyo balls, a lot of that thing. But uh, you may be looking at a group of, you know, 25, 30 pitchers and going, holy cow, what are they doing? Uh, Because everyone may be doing something slightly different. So on the pitching end, that, that really is our biggest focus is what do we need? Uh, for you, you know, what do you need to do to keep yourself healthy and keep yourself going, uh, as opposed to, hey, this is our program, it's 1 through 25, you have to do this, this, and this before you throw. Uh, we really, you know, let them, you know, kind of own own their development and those kind of things, but um, I would say the biggest thing overall, you're going to see a lot of individual defense. Uh, we don't do, you know, we don't just put nine guys out there and go through in and out and do a lot of those things. It's a lot of uh, breaking the, you know, play catch. Infielders are going to do individuals for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, you know, getting a lot of those things in. Uh, and then, you know, we, we do hit most days. I would assume, you know, a lot of schools do that. Uh, we, we're lucky enough to have a great A-Tech machine where, uh, you know, we can go, whether it's fastball, curveball, right hand, left hand. Uh, so we do, you know, we do get a lot of time on that. And, you know, I, I think that machine's better than, you know, me just throwing a, 35 miles per hour from the low left-handed slot that I have. Uh, I think it's you know a lot better for those guys to get those those kind of live live reps, and uh, the machine is I think played a big part in our development here. Uh, just being able to not only you know does it take manpower to get uh, you know get through 40 guys of uh, hitting BP, but obviously you know it makes it a lot easier when when you've got that machine. So. Uh, another thing for us that i you know i think is a little different than what i've seen at some other places is we really focus on you know conditioning every day and focus on sprinting uh whether it's pitchers whether it's hitters i know a lot of guys you know still running poles and doing a lot of those things but you're going to find our conditioning and especially our strength program when we get in the weight room a lot of that is focused on speed power quickness uh, as opposed to you know just getting that lactic acid out whatever whatever that is and um so I think, you know, there, there's a couple standpoints right there and we really try to compete. We really try to do one on one, two on two or nine on nine, uh, just putting, you know, pressure into practice. I think obviously if you can practice at a, at a difficult level, uh, under a lot of stress, I think that's going to make those games, like I said, roll out on Tuesday, you know, roll the balls out and let's play the game. So if we, if we put ourselves in those situations all week and try to compete, uh, that that's really what we focus on. Um, like I said earlier, we've got a full JV program, uh, so obviously those guys are looking to get on varsity, and we don't we don't set that roster uh, final roster until May for the playoffs. So it, it really doesn't you know it's it's competition every day if if you're the first guy on JV or if you're the last guy on varsity you know there's a lot to work for because that roster may be changing whether it's you know tomorrow whether it's this upcoming weekend a lot of those things so it's it's always about that competitive environment and we're never just out there you know hey we're out here to take a swing and just have a nice easy day
0: what about on game day so that's a practice day on a on a typical game day if i were to come out and watch watch your team play for a weekend, you know, watch you play two, three, four games in a row. What could I expect to see as far as the identity of your team? You know, who do you, who do you want your guys or coach your, your, your group to be like, what are some important things for you that, that again, win or lose? I'm going to see this when I come and see your team play, because that's just who you are.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just a couple things. I'm a very laid back guy. Uh, I'm sure you can already tell on this conversation, but very laid back. So, You're not going to see a lot of panic, uh, whether it's from the coaches, from the players. I mean, we've already been down big a couple times early this year and we've dug ourselves out of a hole and gotten a win. So, uh, it's, it's really just kind of an even keeled team. Uh, you know, I would say they're not, they're not too quiet. They're not too loud kind of right in the middle there, but very, uh, like I said, we're a very mature group. So nothing is going to really, uh, you know, set us off and, you know, we don't, don't know how to react to this. Uh, but I would say, you know, a big thing is hustle. Our guys, and it's not even necessarily directed from me. It's, it's a lot of guys putting their careers first and understanding, you know, hey, if I pop up and, you know, maybe that one guy is here to see me, uh, even if I pop up, I better be on second base and, you know, getting that good time. So it's, it's always about doing things the right way and, you know, something I've preached, you know, I love, uh, the new, you know, the new age of the game and, you know, guys showing their personality and, and those things. But at the end of the day, we try to act like we've been there, done that. I think, I think there is something to be said for that, uh, because we all know in baseball, it's going to come back around to you. If, if it's, if it's good right now, it's probably going to get bad at some point. If it's bad right now, you're probably going to get out of a slump here soon. So, uh, that's, that's really how we try to treat that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, biggest thing, like you said, what's, what's kind of the one big thing? I would say it's just, a very relaxed team and you know enjoying themselves i think they really you know a lot of them like we talked about where we're getting into that culture where they are living together they are you know best friends and those those uh, situations uh so that's something we've you know i've really noticed this year in the dugout is just guys really uh pulling for each other and you know not so much just worried about their at-bat you know hopefully if they strike out they come sit in the dugout and they cheer you know the roommate on and sit behind them so that's those are a lot of things we've seen and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great. It's, you know, the team uh, this year and in, in the past, you know, we've had so many great guys. And, you know, like I said, it's it's a very diverse team. So we've got guys, uh, you know, I think right now we're about 19 states, four countries on our roster. Uh, so it's just cool to see, you know, the guy from Panama City hanging out with the guy from small town Iowa. And then just, you know, being friends, cheering each other on and, you know, showing each other kind of the different ways to play baseball.
0: That is very cool, and, and something I really appreciate when rosters look like that. I, I get you know schools when they don't. I, I get that certain schools it's just for what they have to sell. It's a lot easier just to it makes more a lot more sense just to recruit pretty locally. But I really appreciate rosters that that have that kind of diversity and come you know players coming from all over the country and and outside this country. I think that's always a really cool thing because that's you know that, that's what pro ball rosters are going to look like. You're going to have a lot of guys from outside the country a lot of guys have that speak a a different primary first language and um i I just think that's that's a cool thing a cool thing for players to be around at the college level um whether or not they're going to go on to play at the at the pro level so coach i want to ask you a little bit about game day prep Um, i don't know as a high school player like game day was was almost was like another practice day in a way like you were going to High school, high school baseball for me. Even though I didn't, you know, didn't have a great coaching staff or anything like that, but it it, it felt different. Like that that pregame prep was like we were we were still preparing. Whereas in college, uh, a lot of the programs that I coached for, game day prep was more like uh, we're already prepared. We're just going to kind of get enough reps to like to feel good coming into this game type of, of a thing. I'm kind of curious as just for you and your team. Um, and I know that individuals might be a little bit different, but generally speaking, what is, what is game day prep for, for your players like? Meaning, you know, in the pregame, What's the purpose of it? What's the intent behind it? What's the energy level behind it? What's the intensity behind it? Um, just wondering, wondering what that looks like for your guys. Let's just start with like early in the season when everybody's feeling good. Like later in the season, you, you might have some arms that are hanging and guys do things a little bit differently, but early in the season when guys are pretty fresh, what does, what is, what is game day prep for you guys look like? Um, in all phases, maybe, maybe go hitters and pitchers if you can.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, it's, for us, it's you know, like I like I've said a couple times already. Let's roll the balls out and play. It's you know, I think we've done enough to prepare uh, throughout the week, throughout the season. And in my opinion, this this surely isn't right. But in my opinion, if you're trying to go over mechanics with a pitcher, or, you know, hey, let's make this adjustment with your swing on game day. You know, in, in my opinion, that's that's not something we need to do on game day. Let's let's wait till the next day. Focus on you know our swings on BP the next day to really. Uh, get at that uh, But for us it, You know It's maintaining A lot of intensity While also just relaxing If that makes any sense I think you know We really focus on Obviously taking Three or four good rounds Of swings uh, But when we're on defense When we're on those fungos uh, Really focusing on Having good reps I think You know In my opinion A lot of guys Really get lazy uh, You know On the fungo Or whether they're getting Live ground balls You know From the guy hitting uh, You know Just Just getting Bad footwork or, you know, getting, we, and we really focus on those throws across the first base as well. And, and like you said, you know, some guys' arms may start hanging and you really gotta, uh, preserve those throughout the year. Uh, but that's something we really focus on is getting all the nets we can out there. If we get a ball live, let's, let's play that ball live and let's finish the play because fungos are great, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's a little different ground ball. It's not quite 100% game speed and coming at you maybe a little bit softer than an off the bat. Uh, so that, that's something, you know, whether it's hitting, defense, base running, you're only doing each station, you know, on game day for 10, 12 minutes. Uh, so it's really just maintaining focus on that. And then at the end of the day, you know, for the home team, you get a 45-minute break. That's where, you know, some guys taking that. You know, we've been big with meditation these past couple of years. So some guys will just go, you know, get, get in some dark uh, uh, space and just meditate for a little bit and just slow things down. So like you said, every guy's a little bit different, but we still – you know, we're not we're not out there yelling at guys, yeah, uh, you know, practice or game day. But we're not out there really having that intensity. It's more just, you know, if you get five six reps, you know, ground balls right now. Make sure it's a hundred percent. Make sure your footwork is correct, and you know, just hammering those kind of small little details on game day.
0: So different teams obviously are different. And their and their pulses are different. But it seems like you have a lot of guys on your team. Uh, It sounds like that, that are sort of like almost your energy level where they, it's, you know, other teams, they want to, in that 45 minute break between, they might be, you know, uh, you know, listening to music to get them pumped up or, or whatever, or guys that are, guys that are, uh, you know, getting their smelling salts out, or or just whatever it may be for the game. I've um, I've been around those types of guys, guys that are taking their energy drinks, and and but it sounds like your guys. I mean, if they're if they're taking naps and meditating, like they're in a, a much different sort of a sort of like that slow heartbeat all the time type of atmosphere. Um, is, is that something that? Does that happen because that's sort of how, what your personality is? Or is that just kind of this group of guys? Whereas like two or three years from now, when you have a roster that's almost turned over, like, might that be different? Or is this, uh, is this something that you sort of intentionally like your guys to, to sort of have this sort of even coolness, calmness about them at all times where it's not like you need to get really amped up for this situation?
1: Yeah, I think, well, you know, one quote I heard, it's been probably a couple of years now and uh, something I really believe in is, uh, you know, whether it's your leaders or whether it's your coach, I, I really do the, do think the team plays at the speed of your leaders. Uh, so that that's kind of something, you know, maybe it hasn't been 100% intentional. Uh, on my standpoint, but I think they do follow that lead and, you know, sometimes I remember in my first couple of years, we may have a call go against us and everyone just looks down to see if I'm going to run out there and start screaming and doing all that stuff. Um, and at the end of the day, that, that may work once, but I don't, I don't think that's a, uh, you know, something you can replicate day after day after day. And, uh, like I talked about earlier, you know, baseball is such a game of emotions. Uh, so if we can keep our emotions level and, you know, I've seen way too many good players in the past just completely take themselves out of games because, uh, they're just frustrated with a strikeout or how that play went, how their inning went. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, it, like you said, every guy's, uh, themselves, you know, we've still got guys, you know, crushing the bang and doing that, that stuff and getting themselves amped up, ready to go. Uh, but I think they understand, you know, uh, we've, we've worked with Major League University this year. Austin Byler's been great, just kind of helping us out with the mental aspects of the game and uh, just, you know, helping us focus on, you know, what is that kind of, you know, what's that level I need to be at when I'm in the plate, in the box. Uh, and it's just, you know, I think that's helped us out big time. But, you know, it's, it's definitely not something I have, you know, to control. Uh, if, if the guys want to be, you know, blasting music, getting crazy, you know, in my opinion, that's more kind of like – what i experienced in high school football you know you just want to go out there and you know hit somebody as hard as you can which obviously isn't exactly what you do in baseball but if that's what guys need that's what guys need and i think you know just letting each guy again be themselves whether it's physically uh personality wise i think that's something you know our, our, our guys definitely enjoy uh the one size doesn't fit all attitude that we have whether it's baseball
0: or not do you ever have guys that that you that you wish would show more emotion. Maybe a guy that's uh, that's so sort of even keeled that maybe there are some struggles or like a big situation comes and it and and some it doesn't go his way and and you wish that you had more of a reaction almost to you know to say like don't you don't you care more about what just happened here as opposed to just um uh, you know guys that are that are so sort of level headed all the time that maybe they don't they don't have that uh, emotional outburst at some point where you know obviously you want guys to be that but but people aren't you know they're not robots at some point they are going to react if they care enough about it do you ever have that situation with guys where um where you you sort of need to entice them to to show a little bit more emotion and a little bit more intensity especially in uh in in games
1: yeah i think i think it's all about knowing knowing your players uh you know i've you know one of my best pitchers now for three years is a you know just a country boy from iowa and i don't know if he's ever made a you know single facial expression or you know or those kind of things. And, you know, I know he cares. He's a great kid, you know, and he's always, you know, we've got a great relationship. But it's one of those things where if I tell him, hey, you need to get amped up or you need to get, you know, get fired up a little bit more, I don't even know what he would do. <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, it's, it's really about understanding your player and understanding, you know, uh, the genuineness of what they're trying to show. Uh, sometimes, you know, you've got guys that want to throw a helmet or throw their bat down because they think that um, – Means that they care and you know, kind of to answer your question. Uh, at least in my experience, yet and again, this isn't uh, this isn't right or wrong. Uh, I haven't, you know, like why aren't you more? Uh, why aren't you more mad? Why aren't you showing emotion? Those kind of things. I, in my opinion, that that kind of shows me that they're in control of their emotions. They really understand. Hey, one strikeout's not going to end my career. Those kind of things. So um, more times than not, I've noticed that guys do have those negative reactions that kind of. Uh, the rest of the day isn't very good. Uh, and when you are able to put it behind you and, you know, biggest thing for me, if guys are frustrated, you know, guy strikes out in the sixth inning, uh, I don't, I don't say a whole lot in the dugout on game days, but, you know, kind of the big thing I'll say is, hey, you've got a bigger at bat in the ninth. You know, get ready for that at bat in the eighth inning, the ninth inning. You've got another one coming. Uh, we just got to be ready for it because, you know, the mental aspect, it does us no good to sit there and think about an at bat for, uh, you know uh, for three innings and myself you know I kind of pitched in the closer role in college and it does me no good to you know think about that loss that I had or the blown save for a week you know till next weekend because that's just going to eat at you and you just have to find a way to get better so so we really focus on you know just just owning the moment and controlling yourself and if you are a guy that shows emotion great if you're not you know that's fine too
0: so on the recruiting trail last question here for you coach McCabe on the recruiting trail I've heard a lot of coaches in the past that have just that have said that they you know one thing they really like about guys, especially if you go to like a showcase type setting, but they like high energy guys. They like guys that are kind of bouncing around the field and that are um, that have a good motor. That was a, a, a term that I heard as a young uh, recruiter that I that I heard from you know from from several coaches who I looked up to and and I you know I began to like that. I liked guys with the high with a, a good motor, a high motor, not a guy. Whereas the opposite of that was a guy that just. Um, you know, looked like, to use your, your term that you used or a guy that was kind of sleepwalking through, you know, whatever event you were going to see, whether it's a high school game or a showcase or whatever. When you're scouting, you're recruiting guys. Do you look for guys that, that that have that high motor and hope that you can teach them to sort of to sort of balance themselves out do you look for guys that look like they're able to control their emotions right now and if you and if you do that if you do the second where you're looking for guys that can control their emotions now and don't get to you know, hyped up, or, or get too down on themselves, or aren't throwing their bat or helmet or whatever. If you if you find guys, if you're recruiting guys that that seem like they're pretty level-headed, do you then have to do some digging, and kind of ask their coaches whether or not, like, you know, does he is, is he just not real passionate about this, or is he pretty mature with his emotions?
1: Yeah, I think you know that that's a great question and something that we you know we take a lot of time as a staff to figure out exactly you know what kind of kid do we want. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, we're, we're going to recruit talent, we're going to recruit good people and then, you know, we're going to let them you know, kind of like I said, in, in multiple different ways, is just the one size doesn't fit all where, you know, we're, we're not looking for one specific type because I do think it's good to have both uh, aspects of this conversation uh, within your team. Uh, I, I do think you need some of the, you know, those quiet guys who aren't going to show, you know, a whole lot, whether good or bad, and then you are going to need you know, that shortstop, that center fielder who's just flying around and you know moving his feet 100 miles per hour and those things so i think you know for us too with with high school kids and even junior college kids is you know when we really started this meditation program and just started kind of this mental aspect is kids don't know what they want you know sometimes they're playing the way their high school coach you know coached them or just the way maybe their parents raised them whatever the case is uh and sometimes you know what we do and what we teach, you know, that may bring them a little more level or they, that may let them understand, hey, I, I love being that guy who's fiery loud and maybe my team needs that out of me. Uh, so, you know, kind of not the dodge your question, but to kind of answer it a little bit, it's, you know, we we really look for both sides. Uh, if we see a guy that's out there, you know, screaming and going 100 miles per hour a minute, that's not something that's going to deter us from, uh, you know, recruiting him. And on the flip side, if we see a kid who, strikes out to end the game in that you know biggest tournament of the year whatever it is and he doesn't show emotion that's not gonna you know check him off our list I think it's it's good to have that balance of both and good to have that understanding uh, so it's it's really just you know recruiting the kid recruiting a good person and then allowing them to be themselves and I think that's something we've had a lot of transfers from different places and you know some have said you know hey this is the first place where I can I can do this or I can do that and you know, I think we've seen a lot of good success with that—not just boxing people into what we think they should be. Uh, so that—that's something you know that we've really focused on.
0: And I don't think it's dodging the answer at all. It's a perfect answer. And that's why I wanted to ask you that: if you maybe seek that kind of player out, or you just are willing to let guys be who they are. And, and I think it's a great answer, and I and I appreciate all of it. This is uh, Brian McCabe, everybody. He's the head coach at Benedictine Mesa an NAIA school in Mesa, Arizona. Coach, is there anything that you want to leave us with today or anything that we didn't talk about that that you would like to just you know, kind of mention at the end of this thing? or Anything to wrap it up?
1: Yeah, no, I think, you know, it was great talking with you, Jeff, and, you know, uh, something, I guess, last thing I'll leave you with, and, you know, we've been talking a lot about baseball. It's something we really focus on in our program. It's just being a good person, and I think, you know, I I show the guys examples of just my current life, who I work with, those kind of things. And at the end of the day, baseball is going to end. So we really focus on, you know, creating good habits that are, you know, going to carry outside of baseball. And I think, uh, you know, so many times us coaches, players, you know, I know how I was as a player. You're not thinking about anything other than, you know, practice the next day in the game. And I think, you know, the more you can do to create those uh habits that you know go beyond uh the baseball field and just doing good things that's that's really what i've tried to focus on you know individually and as, as a program these past couple of years so i think you know it's it's easy to get wrapped up in our baseball bubble but you know obviously this COVID has allowed us to step back a little bit and you know uh, see where we are but it's uh, that that's you know that's huge for us and I guess that's kind of the last thing I'd mention is a lot of what we do yeah it's baseball geared but it's all designed to make these guys successful uh, human beings you know once they graduate and at the end of the day that's that's what uh, college athletics is about if you can sneak a couple more years out of pro ball and you know make some money have some fun uh, that's great but you know we're really focused on uh, what we're doing after this and how we can continue to be a good person.
0: I always love to hear that because it's really hard to have that perspective as a 19, 20, 21 year old. Uh, and to have a coaching staff who, who does that and helps you focus on those things and bring those brings those things to light, I think, is so advantageous for the players in your program. Coach McCabe, this has been awesome. I appreciate the time very much. I thank you for joining us. You're in the middle of a season right now. And, uh, you know, you certainly have a lot of other things on your plate. But to join us on a podcast, we're very, very grateful for that and for all that you shared with us today.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate it, Jeff. And this has been awesome. You're doing a great thing here. Thank <laughs> you.